Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Mills. Hey everyone, it has been a hot minute uh, since I think the last podcast that we did was Rain Rain Go Away, and that was with my awesome husband, Cameron. Um, but today, um, and and she'll be, uh, it's going to be a great conversation. It's, it's Pam Marshall with Marshall Pediatric Therapy. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to her journey um, of autism and how she's helping so many with her practice. Um, but first, I do want to do a couple of housekeeping notes here. Um, a lot of people have been asking where um, where has my autism tribe been? We have still been very much alive. We're actually doing a lot of really cool things in the community. We're working with um, several police departments and doing some online training platforms for police officers that we're really excited about. There's also the children's book series that I've, that, um, I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast that has an educational curriculum on the back that I'm working with an organization on. So we're still very much alive and doing very well. Uh, but we have been kind of silent from the podcast platform because, let's be honest, folks, I have been spinning a lot of plates here, especially during the last couple of years. years. So I appreciate your patience and um, and just know that I am very busy um, doing advocacy work for all of you guys out there um, uh, alongside with my family, and, um, and, I, and I love you guys so much. So anyway, without further ado, um, this is uh, Pam Marshall of Marshall P. Pediatric Therapy. She is based here in Lexington, Kentucky, um, although she uh, does have um, services outside of Lexington as well, and I'll let her share about that. So, Pam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Susan. Thank you for having me on. It's so it's so fun to um, to listen to everyone's autism journey because, you know, everyone has a different one. And so, first and foremost, mm-hmm. I want to, um, you know, I've met Pam in, in um uh, in person at several events um, that we've had in our community before, and she's such a lovely person. And um, I guess I shouldn't talk about you in third person anymore since we're, you're actually here with us. But um, <laughs> you do a lot of great work and have um, such a great personality and working with families and stuff. And so, can you share a little bit about the backstory of how you started into pediatric therapy? Sure, I. Um... It's kind of a funny story how I got to Kentucky. It is a neat story, actually. But long story short, I was at a beach in South Carolina and really was considering where to go for occupational therapy school. And a girl from Kentucky, from Eastern Kentucky University, who was in the OT program, found me on the beach. She actually walked about two miles to find me and tell me all about EKU's OT program. And you have to remember, this was back when there were no cell phones, no internet, no way to get information. It was word of mouth that I felt like God had sent a messenger to me, Mm. and that's where I was supposed to go. So that's actually how I got to Kentucky a long time ago, went through the OT program there. And I I believe the, um, the OT program had very little about pediatrics. There was very little exposure, and I always knew I wanted to work with children. That was that was my number one focus from the start. And I tried to position myself well to learn. And my internships and decisions I made early on um, put me in a path to learn as much as I could about how to treat children and especially 
autism. I went to Lorna Jean King's Center for Neurodevelopmental Studies out in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was a school for children with autism. And that was one of my placements, and I really loved it. I have one little guy. I think a lot of therapists can say names of of children who just uh, absolutely captures your heart and just changes you. And there was a, a guy out there named Louie, and Louie uh, just was nonverbal, um, you know, pretty – pretty significant um, things that he was dealing with. And one of his favorite things to do that was very calming was he would rub lotion on his legs. And he also loved to vacuum. He loved heavy work and loved to vacuum. And this was also back when a student could do this. I would go pick him up from his group home and bring him to where I I was living in a home with with some friends that we knew out there. Mm -hmm. And let him do the things that he loved and we just had a close relationship and he had a very special word that he only would say to those that he loved though that, that, that was the way he expressed love and the word was he would um, take his hands up and and lay his fingers out and kind of um, wave them quickly and say, Asha, Asha. Asha. And, and he would Asha me. That's what Aww. we would say. If, if, if Louie loves you, he would Asha you. And there was actually no one in the school he would do that with. And he would only do reserve it for um, his few close people. So That's awesome. I felt pretty special. And so that, of course, just turned on my heart um, to children with autism for yeah. sure. And then from there, I um, worked in a lot of different settings. I worked in a large children's hospital with my first, um, actually my first short-term job was here at Cardinal Hill, um, which wasn't pediatrics. I was trying to get my husband through school. And once he got through school, then um, we took off and I was, I was at a large children's hospital and then worked different settings, school-based, um, home health, um, early intervention, just all different settings. And it was when we, um, we had moved away from Kentucky, lived in Texas and moved back to Kentucky. I raised, uh, five children, my husband and I, I shouldn't say I, he he helped too. (laughs) Um, we had five children and raised them. And during that time, it was, um, just really great. I loved my career, loved helping children. And he was, my husband was a children's pastor. So we worked with children all the time. And, we're, we're just a great team. And now he works with me in the company and, um, he has a, just a wonderful ability to, to grow leaders from within our company mm-hmm. and to, um, really hire the right people, find happy people and people who want to excel and be the best of, you know, what they do. And he's, he's actually doing that. We have a fantastic team and so that's a little bit about my journey, but I've always um, absolutely loved working with children with autism. And as a parent, um, probably this has been stirring in me for a while. I want to say a lot of years. I can't even put a finger on how many years. When I started out um, early on, I remember working in Texas. I would work in homes and I did see early Lovas where um, families down there would send a 
several people to be trained under LOVAS in California and come back and work with their young child with autism for about 40 hours or more a week. And that broke my heart. And I was on a track really understanding what sensory processing was and mm-hmm. um, had gone through SIP certification and to understand the theory and behind why kids were responding the way they were responding. And anyway, long story short, after that, um, uh, it just broke my heart. So that was early ABA. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I definitely was not a fan. I would go home crying sometimes yeah. after working with those early low-loss type trainers. But throughout my career, I recognized that we OTs, OTPT and speech, we didn't have the answers for kids with very strong behaviors or behaviors that um, were um, maybe self-injurious or maybe had just were really interfering, um, you know, with progress for that child. So I knew that we didn't have all the answers. And over the years, um, there's been a great divide between OTPT and speech and ABA. And there's also been a lot of negative connotations. I think we have to acknowledge and that a lot of ABA providers that I've spoken to, even those that that teach in the field, Mm We ha- they have to acknowledge the negative components of it. And parents that are listening, I think they all have to make, we as parents have to make our own best decision for our yeah. own child. And it's very important that everyone respect that. I think anytime we get on extremes on either end, like no ABA is the worst thing known to man and no one should ever do it, that's an extreme. And it's also an extreme um to be like ABA is wonderful and right for everyone. That's not right either. It's really individual. And um, if you haven't had a child that eats everything in your house and will could potentially die from the things that they're eating or, you know, has such intense behaviors that you can't manage, um, you probably shouldn't be judging someone else that's seeking that help. It's, there are some parents that go through some very, very challenging behaviors that they're coping with and they, they need the support. I think Mm -hmm. the behaviorists have some answers that, that we don't have on the medical side. So I've, I've dreamt of a program that um, there are two things. I always treat others as the way I would want to be treated. And Mm -hmm. one of the things as a mom, I love being, you know, I loved, being in my children's lives. They're all grown now. We just graduated our, our fifth child on out. He's already, yes, he's already off at college. And yes, I'm brokenhearted, but <laughs> only because I miss him so, but um, but he's going to do great. And, and it's just the transition sure. that, that we're in as parents. But, you know, thinking about, um, let's see, what was I saying before I was on a on a thought. Well, um, you were talking about, you know, just how we all have to really just make the best decisions uh, as a parent. Yes. 
and it, it you it is so true I mean I and I just I've always been I guess you could say a special needs parent I have I have one son you know he's eight getting ready to turn nine mm-hmm. and so this this is the only world that I've been exposed to um, so mm-hmm. from the neurotypical side of things I don't have anything necessarily to compare it to um, other than you know my niece or nephew or you know other kiddos um, but just at parents in general, we are faced with questions and decisions that we have to make for our children every single day. And there are oftentimes, and I know mothers, I hear this a lot from, you know, we lay in bed at night and we can't sleep because we're wondering like, oh gosh, why, how did I mess up my child today? Like what, what kind of decisions did I make, you know, that, that wasn't good or wasn't the best or, you know, we're constantly judging ourselves. And then I think we just live in a day and age where we're, we're just constantly and utterly judging each other. And I think a lot of that has to do like with just social media and stuff and, and everyone wants to be vocal. And I think vocal is good, but Mm -hmm. it's just, we also need to live in an environment where we're being vocal, but we're being supportive in a way that it's like, Hey, I know this is, this may not be the best decision for your child, but it was the best decision for my child or our family. And, and this Mm -hmm. is why, and I, I am a strong proponent. Like I, I want people to ask me questions. You know, I try to be, um, as much of an open book as I, as I possibly can. I love Mm -hmm. talking about our autism journey because it's very different from a lot of others. Um, there are things that I don't agree with that that you know for Alex and then there are other things that I could sing praises all day because it worked for him so that's right and it's so unique for each child mm-hmm. each family and I think that's an important thing to acknowledge in this conversation and anyone listening um, should hopefully feel supported in their decisions and not judged I think that's that's an important thing yeah but um, kind of another topic I along the same line I was saying that when you live in in the extremes of no this is terrible or yes this is great for everyone um you know it isn't you're not stopping to listen to the to the person who may be seeking um that service so Mm -hmm. I've just always had this vision that you know all of us as professionals whether it be you know, a pediatrician, a nurse, a chiropractor, a OT, a speech therapist, a PT, an ABA provider, you know, everyone that might work with a child, um, even a, um, you know, ENT or someone that, that might be seeing that child, a specialist, mm-hmm. we're all, you know, providing service, hopefully, to help that family and help that child. Mm-hmm. And I think in the therapy world, we build such intimate relationships with our parents because we see them a lot and we're trying to equip them. We're trying to teach them and equip them and help them know how to live out everyday life and how to get from morning till night and get their child to sleep and eat and do all the things they need to do in between. Yeah. And so I think I've had this vision that if we could all really collaborate, really um, be in our in our zone, like know what this particular child needs, not what all children need, a blanket statement across the board. If we could really decide as a team, well, I think this child needs X, Y, Z. Well, I recommend this child start with this and mm-hmm. 
really plan out the services together and have this model where the parent is really in charge. You know, they're the ones um, contributing and they're the ones learning and they're the ones active. And that's the dream of the program we started. The name that we gave our program is called the Building Blocks Program. And we just think it's, it's building on what that child is. You know, one of the arguments against ABA is that it's trying to change the child and none of us as professionals believe that that we should ever do that um we shouldn't it's not changing the child like we're trying to work together to help that child um move forward so the goals and the plan Mm -hmm. is a lot of collaboration with the parent not the professional just going well, I think these 10 things need to be addressed. That's sure. not how this goes. It's really collaborating with the parent and, and sitting down and, and discussing and planning as a team mm-hmm. and meeting weekly and, you know, discussing things weekly. So it isn't the program for everyone. It definitely isn't for the parent who doesn't have the capability. Maybe they're just trying to get through every day and they want their child to just be taken care of for 40 hours a week that they can't participate in this type of program but um, we are doing it's a focus model of ABA but it's not just ABA it's really designed as a collaborative so if that child needs OT and speech and PT and counseling we also have mental health therapy counseling um, or maybe a sibling really could use a counselor to talk to um, you know, that would be helpful, that we can really treat the whole family and we can be collaborative together. It's a less intense. We have um, spent about, well, the last three years developing the program before we ever started it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the focus model just means it's less intensive. It's usually between eight and 25 hours a week of ABA. But ultimately, um the team will decide how services are delivered. If the team decides that speech needs to be more intensive, then we're going to, you know, add more intensive speech. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely going to be a team approach and, or it is a team. I can't say going to be anymore because we have already started. It. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I've been using that language for so long that I have to switch to, Oh, we are doing this. <laughs> we're actually doing this right now. Um, and we have uh, spent the last couple of years, planning our space for it. So we've thought through and have very thoughtful space and how children will move in and out of space. They're not going to be alone in a room with a therapist sitting at a table. It's not what it looks like. It sure. really is going to be a lot of play, a lot of, or it is a lot of play. It is a lot of moving in and out of spaces. And we're just super excited. We're just getting, you know, rolling. We have one location started. The second one will start um, very soon in a few weeks. And the third one will start a few weeks after that. So, um, and we're, you know, we're planning to have it at all of our locations. Um, but our, our Lexington office, which is near Richmond Road in Manowar, um, we'll actually have to gain more space. That is a very large clinic, but it is very full right now. Yeah. Um, and we need to have the adequate right space before we start it there. So we're working on that. And we're just very excited that this is a, I think it feels like it's 
um, on the cusp of something, yeah. something big that um, I just wonder we're, we're measuring. Uh, we, ha- we do have pediatric outcomes that we are measuring to see how effective we are, but I just have a feeling we're going to be really effective at well, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's great so, because since it is so collaborative, there are so many times, I mean, you think about like, I know in, in my son's, um, particular situation. I mean, there was a point in time when he had ABA therapy and he also had speech and OT. So, um, Mm -hmm. and they weren't all, you know, necessarily under the same roof, so to speak. And so it's, it's harder because, um, you know, since they're not within the same group, which he received amazing therapy, um, don't get me wrong. And in all aspects, but um, it it was a lot of that was especially on me. I had to make sure, okay, that I need to talk to the OT about what's going on in speech and ABA and talk That's to right. ABA what's going on in here and here and here. And there's so many different moving parts and literally you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Um, right. But what I think is really important um, to note too is that, and because when, you know, I was talking to several people there at Marshall and they were explaining to me and the focused ABA because my son received for at one point in time, 40 hours of ABA therapy a week. And we were at that time not doing speech and OT. We were incorporating some of those things through his ABA therapy. Um, mm-hmm. However, with the focused approach and the building blocks program, um, you know, it says like when prioritizing the order, like in which to address like the multiple treatment targets, because that's, I think especially for for parents who are maybe very new into this, they've just received a diagnosis. They're like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's literally like talking about like if there's um, something that is immediately threatening the health or safety of, you know, of the child or the individual and others, and then kind of backing your way out of that to maybe even doing like the absence of like those developmental milestones that they may not be meeting. Um, you know, example, like toilet, uh, toileting and dressing and feeding and, um, just Mm -hmm. compliance with like medical procedures, like in and of itself. So I guess my question to you is, is that, you know, there are certain times, especially during COVID when I saw some regression with, with Alex and that I'm like, you know what, like we were even looking to maybe put him back into some ABA therapy just to address mm-hmm. some of the things that we were seeing regression in. Um, and, and it was difficult, I have to say, you know, as you know, to even find therapists that, that were going to be working with children to even make it, you know, um, beneficial for him in his case. But what are, like, I guess the question would be, what are some of the things, like how, how little can they be doing to be able to focus in. I know that they have to have maybe a couple of other disciplines that they're also working on, like speech or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about maybe like what an example uh, child or individual may be receiving with this building blocks program? Sure. Sure. And we are um, starting fairly with some simple parameters simply because we do want to measure our data. And I think as we, as we have data on our outcomes, we may be able to expand later. But for the start of what we're doing, we are requiring that, that child to have at least three services because we believe that um, what we're doing should 
should be focused on children that need this collaborative approach. If they don't need the collaborative approach, there are maybe other places they could go to get those services. But we want to we want to keep this this model of collaboration um, at the forefront. So that is why we have it written that way. Gotcha. And you know, we are looking for those children that really do need OT speech or PT and speech or speech and PT, whatever the combination be, mm-hmm. um, and, and the ABA. Um, but that is, that is the reasoning behind it. Um, because we, we really believe that this collaborative approach is going to make a big difference for young children with autism. And we're, you know, we're looking, a lot of places won't take children until they have been, they, they have received a diagnosis and we're, um, we're working with insurance companies that we can take them prior to diagnosing. Oh, and so if they're okay, if they're sitting on a waiting list, so if they're a young two-year-old, three-year-old, you know, suspect autism, they're failing the MCAT, the mm-hmm. physician has referred them on for a formal evaluation, and they're told, well, it's a year out or a year and a half out. Um, we want to start working with those children right away, yeah. and. Um, Especially, it depend. It really does, unfortunately, depend on the the insurance company or the payer mm-hmm. of those services. Um, and and sometimes, you know, it'll be led by that by that insurance, and that is a hard thing, yeah. really, really hard thing for families. But we do our very best. We fight so hard on the back end for kids. Yeah. You just don't know what we do. We really. Um, battle and advocate. I heard you say in the beginning that you just you just continue to advocate. And that's what we do as well back here in our um, administration office. And I personally, there's a team of therapists in the state who do advocate in the state. And we advocate tremendously for kids. And anytime a system doesn't work, a lot of people may not even know it, but I remember there's been different situations where one major insurance company just shut down, mm-hmm. you know, um, giving prior authorization for therapy mm-hmm. and working through that process to get them to turn that light switch, so to speak, back on and let yeah. children have these services. Just constantly advocating for children to get the services they need. And it's one of my, I can't stand it. Yeah. Sometimes people have a job or a career or they start a business based on that I can't stand it. And my I can't stand it is I cannot stand it when kids can't get the services they need. Like yes. that just drives me crazy. It is. Um, and I, 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 it is passion of mine that we, we will fight and they will tell us no. And we go, okay, we'll go over your head and we'll figure it out and we'll fight on behalf of this family and on behalf of this child and they will get what they need. Um, is, is, is a lot of passion of what we have as a company. Um, and we have five really great values. And one of them, I just put it on my wall because it's what leads us is love. And not a lot of companies can say their value is love, but we believe that you have to love first. You have to love people we even love insurance companies like we love the people that mm-hmm. we talk to on the phone and we make relationships with them we love our families we love each other we we just try to love that's a big big piece it's, of what we do it's amazing how a conversation can turn when the person 
because I, you know, kind of going back to where <laughs> we're like this day and age, there's so much judgment and everything. And, um, mm-hmm. any person that has dealt with an insurance company, uh, I would say the majority of us have, um, maybe not necessarily with a child that has autism or, or whatever, but we've all had to make those phone calls that we're just not really happy to make. And, um, right. I have, spent hours and days and months, you know, talking Mm -hmm. to insurance companies. And it's amazing. Um, when I changed the tone of my voice, I I remember, and at one point in time, I just broke down in tears. Um, and I literally asked the, the woman on the other side, I had been passed around and passed around, um, for days and this was after Alex had received his autism diagnosis and then um, basically got on waiting list for ABA therapy and then and then was told we could do about, you know, 15 hours of ABA therapy. And then the insurance company was like, yeah, but we're not going to pay for it. So um, had spent hours and days on the phone with an insurance, but just being passed one from one person to another and being mm-hmm. told, we'll, we'll give you a call back and not being told, you know, and not receiving that call, um, to this one lady, I'll never forget it. She was in California and I wish that I had gotten her name and her mailing address because I, (laughs) I would have sent her a gift. But I, by Mm -hmm. the time I got to her, I was so exasperated that when she, like, she was the one that picked up the phone and again, kind of going back, it was just a God thing. Um, she picked up the phone and, and, uh, started going into my story and I'm sure I was just rambling and, um, and I had just, I was really emotional. I was, I was just crying I'm and sure. I, I just yeah. asked her, I said, are you a mother? And she said, yes. And I said, imagine someone telling you that there's something wrong with your child and no one can help you. I, and she said, um, she said it was a much lengthier conversation, but basically she said, can I give you a call back? I said, no, I'll hold. I said, I can't, I can't yeah. wait for that. And she said, no, you have my word as a mother. I will give you a call back. And she did. And by the end of the day, Alex was covered. And, oh, um, and it was just like, you know, but it takes that advocacy, like people like yourself yeah. who, um, and I don't think people really understand like a great service provider. And I, cause I don't want to say that all service providers are like this because I think Alex had a couple of doozies, but, um, service providers like yourself and, and some Alex have been with and some of the stories that I've heard, there is absolutely fighting going on behind the scenes, like fighting like an army, a whole army for your child. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are fighting tooth and nail to make sure that your child receives the very best. Um, and we have a, we have a joke in our administrative office that we go into MMA fights every yes. day <laughs> yes we pull different moves and we're like what move are we going to pull today because <laughs> at the end of the day it sure feels like you've been in one of those yeah, fights it does. <laughs> but it does oh it's it's just uh, it's so reassuring and nice to hear that and I know mm-hmm. that the the last two years especially have not been easy on anyone and I know that mm-hmm. you guys have been trying to 
you know, finagle ways and, and things. And, and this whole time during like three years, you've been building this awesome program. And I'm just really excited mm-hmm. for you guys, because when I hear we are busting at the seams and I'm like, okay, this is good because yeah. we definitely have so many kids out there, the waiting list, it's those, that two, those two words could not be dreaded more with any kind of parent out there waiting list. Absolutely, There's mm-hmm. so many of them. Um, there are, there are, and, and it just, oh, it breaks my heart. It does. I wish there were yeah. no such thing as waiting less that we could um, just get children the help they need when they need it. Yeah, time is of the essence. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the the thing, because when um, someone mentioned kind of ABA therapy and, you know, you Google it and you see Lovas and, um, and you hear all these horror stories from people that were a part of ABA therapy, um, to the parents and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what, the, all, all it takes is just a very simple conversation. You have to, I think when you're on this journey, be completely open-minded to, um, to where that journey is. Um, and, you're constantly having to pivot along that journey because things change, environments change, circumstances change. No one anticipated COVID. So I think, you know, we just have to make the best decision for that period of time. And um, so I I just recommend, I mean, I know you're based in, in Lexington, Georgetown, you know, Richmond, Kentucky, um, but I just encourage. And Brandon Crossing. Brandon Crossing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Brandon Crossing, too. Uh-huh. That's, that's amazing. And I, I just, the, so I want, I encourage people to go and at the very least, um, check out, um, uh, what Marshall Pediatric Therapy is doing. Um, I know your all's website is marshallpediatrictherapy.com and, um, mm-hmm. just see, see how their approaches, maybe you're a service provider and you're more interested in, in kind of what they're doing and would like to talk to them more about the approach. And, um, I think that conversations are great. That's where great things can come from. We all have to be walking think tanks. And so, um, just reach out, Pam, it's been amazing to, to talk with you and thank you so much for your time. I know thank that you're you. so busy, um, but you guys are, are onto something great and, um, just we are, best I think of luck. we're, we're onto something that it is going to be really fun to see how it impacts, um, children with autism. I think treatment across the country, you know, how it, how it impacts the young child with autism. It's, I think it's, it's part of the future. It sure. is, it is part of the pr- future and that's how we learn. you know, we just, we ask questions and, um, would love to certainly have you guys um, be a part of our autism parent programs as well that we do um, because going back to the waiting list and stuff, there are always mm-hmm. things that parents can be doing in their homes um, instead that of is, just waiting. so true. You know, mm-hmm. like we can do yeah. that. We are capable of doing that. Um, Absolutely. And I want to cheer everyone on that's listening. There are wonderful providers, therapy providers all over the area. Um, but you want to make sure your therapy providers are teaching you. If they're not, you want to be attending sessions and learning and teaching. Um, yeah. That's what we love for our parents to do. We love for our parents to be involved in learning. Um, so I think that's really important to cheer you all on. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Pam, um, and uh, look forward to a working relationship with you guys. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay.